Ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, your home for all hot takes, news, and other things revolving around the racing world. Pardon my voice, I have probably the weirdest cold, sickness, whatever you want to call it. I don't feel sick at all. The best way I could describe this is I feel like I have a lot of allergies. That is the only way I could describe what I have right now. Which I thought was the only one, turns out some of my other friends have it, so at least I know who to blame for who gave me this. Anyway, today's episode is going to consist of, we're going to be talking about some Formula 1 or 2 title protagonists. We're going to talk about 2311 Racing, their recent struggles, our race weekend ranking sponsored by John and B's Barbershop, and our verse of the week. So without further ado, let's get started by talking about Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. And we know that Leclerc has been arguably the best driver so far this year. Two wins in the first three races, the other one being a runner-up finish, barely to Max Verstappen in Saudi Arabia. Clear cutting away, the title favorite, destroying his teammate, destroying the rest of the field. You would say that Charles Leclerc is the clear-cut title favorite. Is he really, though? Yeah, he's leading the championship by 27 points, but he's still very mistake-prone. I mean, if you just look at the race in Imola just a couple days ago, he was clear cutting away, third place, he was going to get it. Wasn't even a discussion. And then he overdrives a car, and he goes from a guaranteed podium to outside the top five in the sixth-place finish. And he lost a good chunk of points also. So even though he's still 27 points ahead, still over a race is worth the points ahead, so even if he DNFs next race, he'll still be the points leader, I will still take Max Verstappen in a title fight over Charles Leclerc. Why would I do that? Unlike Charles Leclerc, who's made mistakes, Max Verstappen has been flawless this year. And I want to talk, I'm talking about the driver, Max Verstappen. Not the team as a whole, Max Verstappen, the driver individually. When he does a DNF, when the car doesn't explode underneath him, he's running at the very worst second place. And his second place is maybe at the farthest behind, five seconds at the farthest. He's the only driver that can keep up with Charles Leclerc on speed. We've seen that in Bahrain and at Saudi Arabia. And even in the Imola Sprint race, when Charles Leclerc got the better jump ahead of him, it didn't matter because Verstappen got him at the end anyway. So even when Max Verstappen is behind, he's always going to come out. He's going to come out on top. And you really can't say the same thing with Charles Leclerc. Because every race when he's had, he's had from pole, he's just cruised away. Yeah, he got had to get by Verstappen and Bahrain, but that was more for strategical reasons. It was pretty self-explanatory. I believe Verstappen was on older tires. And Leclerc still makes the same mistakes over and over and over again ever since he's been in Formula 1 in 2018. This is his fifth year of Formula 1, and he still makes a constant mistake of overdriving the car. Now, to be fair, Max Verstappen did the exact same thing. It took him until about the middle of his fourth year in 2018 to finally become that complete driver that we all know to this day. Because remember, before the middle of 2018, Verstappen was basically known to, yeah, he's got a lot of talent, but he was always wrecking every other week. So people would always dismiss him. They would like call him Crash Stappen or something like that. Well, ever since the middle of 2018, he really became a complete driver. And then we saw that in 2019, 2020, and eventually in 2021. Leclerc's in his fifth year. It took Max about three, three and a half years. Leclerc's in his fifth year, and he's still making these unnecessary mistakes. That's the thing. These mistakes that he made, especially the one in Imola, it was unnecessary. 
Because when you're the championship leader, when you're over 35 points clear of second place, especially when that second place driver was, I believe, George Russell and Mercedes, who qualified 11th, you don't got to worry about it. You just need to have a smart, smooth race, collect your points, collect your podium, and then go home. You don't need to push it, especially when you're in the race itself and Max Verstappen is so far ahead, you have no shot at getting to him. You don't need to push it that hard. And that took him from a near-guaranteed podium to finishing outside the top five. So, my thing is you can't use a championship fight as an excuse. Because some people will say, be like, well, he needs to keep his championship hopes alive. It's only the fourth race of the season. Like, the title fight is still on. Folks, he was 37 points clear. And I'm just talking about second place. Verstappen was, I believe, six in the standings at the time. So he, I think it was like 40-something points ahead of Verstappen. Now, granted, Verstappen is the better driver. Verstappen will definitely make up that ground. But race for the season, you don't need to race that hard. Especially for a third-place finish where you have no shot of, maybe you have a shot at second, but you definitely have no shot at first. You don't need to push it that hard. Because who's behind him? Lando Norris and the McLaren? He's got a Ferrari. He's got the fastest car on the grid. You don't need to be that aggressive. And that cost him three spots. That cost him a lot of points. So maybe instead of being probably still around that 30, maybe even a bigger gap, because we're sapping so far ahead, he's barely a race worth the points ahead. And we see the last year. Verstappen was, I believe, at the highest, like 32 points ahead of Hamilton. And look how that turned out. That gap erased. And here's the thing about Max Verstappen. He's going to make Leclerc make more mistakes. We saw that last year with Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton made a lot of mistakes last year, uncharacteristic for Lewis Hamilton. He made a lot of mistakes last year that we wouldn't expect from a seven-time world champion. Just look at Silverstone, for example. Verstappen is that good of a driver. Drivers are that worried about him that they make mistakes. And Leclerc especially because this is his first time in a true title fight with a true title-winning car, he's going to make those mistakes because this is really his rookie year in terms of being in a title fight. So if Charles loses his massive points lead, I won't be surprised. He's already lost seven points just from this race alone, which is a lot in Formula 1 because the maximum points you get in F1, not counting a sprint weekend, is 26. So even being over a race is worth the points behind, I'd still take Max Verstappen over Charles Leclerc in the title fight. Leclerc needs to realize he doesn't need to be this aggressive this early. He's got arguably the best car on the grid. If he could just tone it down, not make these mistakes, just collect the points to go home, he'll be in good shape. If he keeps making mistakes like he did in Imola, Verstappen will be a back-to-back world champion. Alright, so last year, I remember on one of my old podcasts, NASCAR About the Numbers, I did it with my good friend William Richard, a.k.a. NASCAR Opinion. When we made predictions for the 2021 season, one of my predictions was, is that I said Trackhouse would have a better shot at making the playoffs than 23-11 racing. And I got ridiculed to hell. Everyone was like, what the hell are you doing putting Trackhouse ahead of 23-11? They're basically a brand spanking, they're basically a fifth Joe Gibbs racing car. Well, I think it's fair to say, oh, probably a year and a half later, that I got the last laugh. I think it's for time for us to start wondering 
Is 2311 Racing all bark and no bite? Let's be honest here, folks. Besides Super Speedways, which, to be honest, is more Bubble Wallace than the team itself, they're non-existent everywhere else. They currently have three top fives combined this year and five top tens and 20 starts. I mean, last year you could say was a pass because it was their first year. And even I gave them a pass. Everyone was saying, why is 2311 being so bad when they were running maybe at the best 15th all race? I even said last year, it's their first year. They kind of, you know, they were they announced themselves in September. They only had a couple months to prepare. I knew that it was going to be a struggle because you can't just announce a team and then expect to be competitive in four or five months. That's just not how the system works. You need to have at the very least, and I mean the very minimum, six months to fully prepare, which is why I said Trackhouse would do better than 20 through 11. But this year, everyone's on a clean slate. The next gen car, everyone is starting from square one, including Trackhouse, including 20 through 11, including even teams like Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick. And 20 through 11, they've made no signs of progression despite having the most funding in the sport, arguably. I mean, remember, last year they had to turn down sponsorship. So, let me put to you in perspective how far behind 2311 is compared to a track house. Last, let me just say this. 2311 with, I believe it was Kurt Busch's number 45. No, excuse me, Bubba Wallace's 23 car. They're almost just as close to Live Fast number 78 car, which was the third new team from last year, than to Trackhouse's number one car. They're 109 points ahead of the Live Fast car and 99 points behind the number one car. They're basically dead set in the middle, almost just as close to the Live Fast car, which would be lucky to finish inside the top 35 when most of the weeks they're 36 cars. The thing is with 2311 is, with Trackhouse, you could see the potential, you could see the progression. I don't see that with 2311. Bubba Wallace, at best, will run 10th, and that's lucky if it's on the super speedway. He'll be, he'll be finished to finish, lucky to finish inside the top 15. Kurt Busch, he's doing all he can, but he's 18th of points. 2311 right now feels more like Chip Ganassi Racing than the team... That bought Chip Ganassi Racing last year. And people will use that as an excuse. People will use that as an excuse for why Trackhouse is so much better than 2311. They will say that, oh, Trackhouse, they bought Ganassi. So they basically had a, a good foundation to build off of. Whereas 2311, they're still working their way through everything. That's not an excuse, guys. If we were still in the Gen 6 car, I could see where you guys are coming from. But this is the next Gen car. This is year one of a brand spanking new car. Which, by the way, the car, the chassis itself, is basically the same for everyone else. So what really comes down to is, when you have a brand spanking new car and a spec car, the personnel is what's most important. And if you have the most money, you should be able to throw at the best personnel the most money. Trackhouse, granted, they have a decent amount of funding, 
when Pitbull's one of your car owners, you're going to have funding regardless. But 2311, they have Michael Jordan. They got Denny Hamlin. Again, they had to turn down sponsorship last year. I guarantee you it's probably the same scenario this year. So, what's going on? You can't use that an excuse when everyone's starting from square one. Track has to start from square one with the new next-gen car. 2311 started brand spanking new square one with the next-gen car. So what's going on? There's just... I don't see any clear progression going on with 20. I don't see any signs that this team is going to improve. I saw that last year, where at best the team was probably where the team started running like 25th, and then as the season went on, they started you know finishing more inside the top 10 instead of the top five, eventually getting themselves a win. But I don't see that this year. I don't see that. Every time Kurt Busch finishes inside the top five, it usually happens because some guys in front of him they wreck. He's not running inside the top five. If he's running inside the top 10, he's probably running 10th at best. So, and people will say that the excuse is, oh, Toyota. Toyota's had a down year. Kyle Busch is still inside the top 10 in points. So is Truex. Christopher Bell, he's currently inside the playoff picture. Denny Hamlin, yeah, he's outside the top 20. But he still managed to win. So, what's the excuse for 2311, huh? Like, they need to step it up. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they don't have the right personnel. Maybe some of their drivers need to step it up. Bubba Wallace does need to step it up. Is he going to get kicked out of the team? Probably not. Especially because the team 20 through 11 has stated that they want to expand to four cars. And if they're turning down sponsorship, I'm pretty sure they can expand to four cars. But this team, for all the hype that they got for the last two years to produce... One rain shortened win, and maybe combined less than double digit top fives. Twenty three eleven, they're looking like one of the most overhyped teams in NASCAR history. For all the hype they got, with all the funding, all the publicity, to have maybe at best a twentieth place car in the point standings. Twenty three eleven right now feels like all bark and no bite. All right, now it's time for Race Weekend Rankings, sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you live in the South Florida area, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop for your next haircut. Rob, Will, Johnny, and the rest of the crew will not only give you a great haircut, better than you get in any kind of big haircut chain, but a fantastic friendly atmosphere that, again, you will now receive in other established haircut chains. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop for your next fresh haircut today on Davy Davie Road Extension and Sterling Road across the street from the Wawa. So, we are going to rank today the Cup race at Talladega, the Xfinity race at Talladega, and the Formula 1 race at Imola. So, a relatively short list that we got. So, without further ado, let's get started by talking about number 3 on the race, and I got the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Best moment of the race for me was the lap 12 battle between George Russell and Kevin Magnussen. They went after it for a couple laps, swapped positions, and that eventually did help George Russell get that 4th place finish to keep his top 5 streak alive in the season. Worst moment of the race for me was the unsafe release of Esteban Ocon in the pits. The team should have known that Lewis Hamilton was coming, and yet they still got Ocon out, clipped Lewis Hamilton, and that caused a five-second penalty for a mistake that should never have happened in the first place. And my WTF moment of the race is the Leclerc crash. Again, he was fighting with Sergio for second. He was pushing it way too hard. 
And instead of getting a guaranteed podium, because he was, I believe, nine seconds ahead of Lando Norris, he caused himself to finish outside the top five. But again, no one saw this coming. So, the race overall was okay. It wasn't really the greatest racing in the world, but we're never going to get that kind of racing at Imola, even with these new cars. So, I'll give the race a 4 out of 10. It was a below average race. Number two on the list, I got the Xfinity Series race at Talladega. Best moment for me was the last lap battle between Noah Gregson and the rest of the field, including Jeffrey Earnhardt. Worst moment of the race for me was the crash between the 54, the 19, and the 38, just because, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't know what the hell the 54 was thinking. I mean, you're in the middle, I don't even think they were in the last stage, if I can remember correctly, and he was being way too aggressive, he was trying to block Daniel Hemmick's side draft, and he caused a wreck that crashed himself out. So I don't know what the hell anyone in that group was thinking. And my WTF moment of the race was Jeffrey Earnhardt going from 5th to 2nd in overtime, nearly winning the race from the pole, after running around 8th to 10th all race long because no one wanted to push him, to go from that to finishing runner-up in the race, that was my WTF moment for the Xfinity race. Very good race overall, I would give it an 8 out of 10, a very good race. And then number 1 on the list, by process of elimination, is the Cup Series race at Talladega. Best moment for me... Not really a moment, but more just an experience. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the booth. I, along with many NASCAR fans, have been very critical of Fox Sports this year. So to have Dale Earnhardt Jr. give that new energy, that new life that Fox Sports desperately needs, I thought it was a it made the racing experience watching on TV that much more enjoyable. Worst moment of the race for me was Daniel Hemrick's wreck, just because it was so unfortunate to have your engine basically expiring on you, not only in the middle of the pack, but then you get turned and then you cause a big crash. Just a series of unfortunate events for the defending experience series champion making one of his one-off Cup Series starts of the year. And then my WTF moment of the race was just Eric Jones' back block. Eric Jones is a very good plate racer. So why he would make a block like that on Kyle Larson, which if anyone saw that knew that move Larson made was never going to work, Eric Jones still tried to block it, and he allowed the seas to be parted for Ross Chastain to go on to win the race. So, overall... Very good race, very enjoyable. It reminded me a lot of the 2019 Talladega race, which is one of my favorite races in recent memory. So this race, I'm going to give a 9 out of 10. So let's go back through the rankings. Number 3, we got the Formula 1 race at Imola. Number 2, we got Xfinity at Talladega. And then number 1, we got the Cup Series race at Talladega. And those are your race weekend rankings. All right, now let's end off the episode with our verse of the week. So coming in... Opening up the scriptures from the book of Marinello, chapter 1, verse 1. Our verse of the week is, bad pushes equal bad results. What does this mean? Two of the highlights from both the Formula 1 and the NASCAR race were our protagonists, Charles Leclerc and Eric Jones. Whether it was Eric Jones making an ill-advised block or Charles Leclerc pushing it probably when he didn't need to, they went from either a guaranteed win or a guaranteed podium to finishing outside of the top five. You got Charles Leclerc who finished sixth, and then you got Eric Jones who finished 16th. Both did not get the results they wanted, but they have no one to blame but themselves. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Motorsport Ministry. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you guys so much. Again, sorry about the voice. Sorry about the cold. Hopefully we'll be back up and running on all four cylinders by Thursday. 
If you guys want to listen to the rest of the Motorsport Ministry catalog, just search us up on Spotify at the Motorsport Ministry. You can find all previous episodes over there. But thank you guys so much once again, and we will see you next time.